Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that this message you hear today will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, you can check out our website at cvcmadera.com, and there you'll find our Instagram and Facebook links, as well as our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church Madera. Thanks for listening. Are you ready for God's Word? Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Uh, I'm ready for it, too. This is our second week in our series on fasting. And if you weren't with us last week, you missed out on that. Uh, We're live streaming now, but we also record our live stream, so you can check out last week's live stream by going to YouTube and looking at Central Valley Church Madera. In fact, if you want to tell anybody, hey, this is what we're going through at the church, and you can point them in that direction as well if they're... Uh, here in Madera, but not, not attending church, or they're in another location, they can check that out, Central Valley Church Madera on YouTube. But last week, we talked about fasting, what fasting is and what it's not. We talked about uh, ultimately why we fast. The, the highlight for us last week, if you missed it, is that as a follower of Jesus, we, we long to, to, to be with Jesus. We long to be like Jesus, and we long to live like Jesus lived. We know that Jesus feasted, in fact, that's why he invites us to the table when he, we are called to remember him by the bread and the cup. We know that Jesus feasted, but he also fasted. And as followers of Jesus, we long to be like him. And ultimately, we fast because we want to offer ourselves, mind, body, soul, to Jesus. We want to offer everything to Jesus because he's our prize. He's our reward. Jesus gave everything for us. He withheld nothing from us, not even his own body. And so fasting helps us kind of get in tune with that and offer ourselves to him. So this week we're, we're looking at the second of the four reasons to fast. There are more than just four reasons to fast, but there are four in this series that we're going to be covering. And in our study on Wednesday nights, we are going deeper in discussion on fasting and, uh, and to help us kind of get into fasting. And as we watch this video with the men's, women, men's and women's ministries, uh, the speaker, John Mike Comer, shared this story of a novelist, Nikos Kazantakis, who wrote an autobiography, and he tells a story in his youth when he was going to see this elderly monk, and he was both drawn to and turned off by the lifestyle of this monk, this lifestyle of self-denial. And he writes in the, his autobiography this, this story, he recounts it, and he says to the monk, he says, your way, is, your, 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 way your life is hard, Father. I too want to be saved, but is there no other way? The monk replies, a more agreeable way with a smile on his face. Nikos says, more human. The monk replies, there's only one way. He asks, what is it? He says, ascent. To climb a series of steps from a full stomach to hunger. From a slack throat to thirst. From joy to suffering. He says, God sits at the summit of hunger, thirst, and suffering and the devil sits at the summit of a comfortable life. You choose. In reply, Nikos says, I'm still young, the world is nice, I still have time to choose. Anybody replied like that? But in the story, the old monk reaches out and touches Nikos' knee, and he says to him, wake up, my child, wake up before death wakes you up. What an introduction to fasting. (laughs) Right? I think a lot of us would respond the same way young Nikos would, that we want a comfortable life, that we just want a life of comfort. But here's the problem if you're a follower of Jesus. 
The problem is Matthew 16, 24, that Jesus said, if anyone would come after me or follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, if our goal as followers of Jesus is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do as Jesus did, then we can't get around the issue of carrying a cross. The life of a believer is a life shaped by the cross of Jesus. And in our self-denial, denying to ourself, we begin to pursue after Jesus. You can't pursue your will and God's will at the same time. Why? Because your will, oftentimes, and God's will are counter to each other. So it's hard to say, I want what I want, and I also want what God wants. A life of a believer is a life lived in denying self in the pursuit of the one who actually gives us life. So fasting is what we're talking over the next few weeks. I believe is the best practice that we have to cultivate a heart of self-denial in us over the long haul. A life that is submitted to Jesus. To recap, and then we'll, we'll get more into the text we're covering the four reasons. The first one is this, to offer ourselves to Jesus. It's the ultimate reason why we fast, why we, we live a life of self-denial, because we want to offer our lives to Christ. The second one is growing in holiness. We're going to talk about that today. Number three is to amplify our prayers. We'll get into that next week. And the last one is to stand with the poor. That'll be our fourth week. This morning, we're going to jump into growing in holiness. Before we begin to talk about holiness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now, we, we position our hearts to receive from you. God, we open our hearts. God, we want to know your word. We want to know your truth. God, we want to know what it means to live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to do what you did, Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit, to have ears that are open, eyes that are fixed, and hearts that are ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I talk about holiness, growing in holiness, that's a bit of a loaded word. What does that mean? Well, another way we can look at it is wholeness or lacking nothing in your life. Christ calls us to be holy, lacking nothing, having wholeness. What, what health is to your body, holiness is to your soul or to your whole person. Last week we discussed, and, and we, part of it, what we discussed on Wednesday, was that there are, there are major benefits to fasting for your body health-wise. And if you were a part of that, you know what I'm talking about. But essentially, to summarize, after a 24-hour period of going without food, your body does something called autophagy, where it begins to eat bad cells that are in your body. Uh, dis, uh, disordered cells, dead cells, mutated cells, they call them zombie cells that bring disease in your body. After a 24-hour period of not eating, your body begins to eat those bad cells out, and there's a huge benefit for you to be healthy when you fast. I think that's, that's pretty legitimate. It's a legitimate reason just to fast on ourselves, because there's so much in us that should not be in us, and our body can begin to purify itself. God made our bodies. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That, that He knows what we need. Amen. And the parallel is this. Just as fasting is your body's way of purifying and purging itself of these zombie cells, these dead or diseased cells, 
so fasting is also your soul's way of purifying and purging your whole person in in self-defeating cycles of sin and shame in your life. There are so many believers who love Jesus, but we're trapped in a cycle of sin. We continue to do the things we don't want to do. And we wonder, how am I going to get free of these things? I want to encourage you, and we're going to talk about today, ways that we grow in holiness is fasting is is an opportunity that God has given us, a way that God has shown us to begin to allow ourselves to, to become pure by the Holy Spirit working in us as we deny ourselves and we say yes to Him. Amen. Fasting is a way, in other words, of sanctifying your soul. What does sanctifying mean? To set it apart for God's holy purposes. Fasting is a way to sanctify your soul and to dedicate it to God. The early church, early church fathers who began to write in the second century, third, fourth century, and beyond, all of them began to write about the power of fasting to grow in holiness. I'm going to read some of these early church fathers, if you're familiar with them. St. Augustine, he wrote this when, he, when asked why fasting. He said, because it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh in respect to licit pleasures, meaning non-sinful pleasures, in order to keep from yielding to illicit joys or sinful things. Sometimes it's necessary to, know, to say no to something that is not bad, but you have control over so that you can also say no to things that will destroy your life. Amen. Listen to what St. Leo the Great said in the 5th century. He wrote, fasting gives strength against sin. It represses evil desires. It repels temptation. It humbles the proud. It cools anger. It fosters all the inclinations of a good will even under Uh, unto the practice of every other virtue. Meaning this, that when we begin to fast, something happens in us and and the desire for virtuous living or right living begins to increase in our lives. Thomas Akempis, who is a a amazing philosopher, and he's a a man of God from the medieval, medieval period, said this about fasting. He said, restrain from gluttony and thou shalt the more easily restrain all the inclinations of the flesh. When you read all of the early church fathers, you quickly realize that most all of them believe that without fasting it is impossible to reach a higher level of holiness. Pretty much all of them practice fasting in regularity and in increased intensity. Here's something interesting. They saw the stomach as both an enemy and a potential ally in the war against the flesh. For example, if you're familiar with the seven seven deadly sins, gluttony is the first one on purpose. Because Christian thinkers have long said that undisciplined appetites have a domino effect across all areas of our lives. They especially noted the connection between gluttony and sexual immorality. That the capacity to steward our body's natural drives for food and for sex in a healthy way rise and fall together. So if we're able to steward what we eat, we'll also be able to steward what we do with our bodies. Anybody uncomfortable yet? God is calling us to a place of holiness. And He's given us a way of walking in holiness. To make sense of all this, Let's talk more about a theology of the body, something that the church in the West has kind of let go of since the Renaissance and the Enlightenment period of the 16 and 1700s. 
But let's get back into a theology of the body because I think it's so powerful and scriptural for us today. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7, starting in verse, seven, uh, verse 15. At the last session, last week, if you'll remember, I, I quoted the Apostle Paul out of Corinthians when he says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Even if you weren't here last week, but you've been in church, you know this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that your body is a home for God to dwell. But listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and see if you relate to this at all. Starting in verse 15, it says, For I do not understand my own actions. Anybody? For I do not want, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do, this is so hard to read. If I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. We're going to talk about in my flesh in just a moment. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Anybody know what that feels like? For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I do not want to do, I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 21. So I find... I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, that means in my spirit, but I see in my members, in my own body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, that is, in my flesh. Then he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, last week we said our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but now we're saying our body is a, is, a, is a body of death. So we have to ask the Apostle Paul, which is it? Is it the temple for the Holy Spirit? Is it a body of death? He would say, yes, it's both. It's both. He's writing about this tension that we feel as believers, that we want to follow God, but often we find ourselves doing the wrong things. The things we hate, we continue to do. We want to be loving and kind and patient, and then we're blowing up. We're yelling at the people we love. We're losing our tempers. We're flipping the bird to people on the road. Like, oh, but God, I love you. But I can't, I'm, I'm losing control over myself in these areas. I encourage you, please don't flip the bird to anybody at any time. But we, we, we are finding ourselves at war in this. It's, it's a self-defeating cycle that a lot of us get stuck in. And it has to do with our bodies. That's why Paul calls it a body of death. But he says it's also a temple for the Holy Spirit. Throughout Paul's writings in the New Testament, we see that in your body, your person as a whole, you have a spirit, meaning a part of you, that is a home for God where your spirit and God's spirit can become one. And then you have another part of you that is infected by a fatal disease called sin. And the word Paul uses here for this warped part of every single one of us, he uses the word flesh. Now he's not talking about material things. He's not talking about your very flesh and bone. He's talking about something else. He's talking about uh, the, the part of us that has been warped, that is disordered by sin. Remember, you are a whole person. You can't separate 
the immaterial spirit soul of you from the material of the body. Right? You can't say, well, I'm going to wake up early and just your mind wakes up. You actually have to get up. Right? You can't separate. You can't experience life out, outside of or apart from your own body. So you can't separate those things. You're a whole thing. So when Paul is writing about the flesh, he's talking about a part of you that is a part of the whole of you as a person. And some translations write the, uh, the part of the flesh as your sinful nature or self-indulgence. It's that instinctual drive that our bodies have for food and for sleep and for sex and for self-preservation and for instant gratification that has been overpowered, that overpowers our will and has, has bent our heart away from God and, and away from love and turned it inwardly to being selfish. Sin has caused us to be selfish creatures. And all of those things that I listed, they're not all bad things, they're just disordered things. Augustine writes, he calls the flesh the disordered desires of ourselves. The point is, our fight isn't against the body, it's for our body. Our fight is against the flesh, those disordered desires in us that turn us away from God and pursuing after our own wants. So how do you, how do you fight your flesh? Are you wondering? How do I fight this? Good question. The answer is found in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus says, take up your cross. Amen. How do you fight your flesh? Take up your cross. And in fact, put it to death, is what he says. Put to death your flesh. This is what Paul writes as crucifying your flesh. He says, don't play with it. Don't coddle it. Don't play patty cake with it. Kill that sucker. Destroy it in your life. Begin to kill it. This is why Paul says in Galatians, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. He writes to the Colossians, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. He says, kill it. Now, if I left you with that and you left out of here, you would still be discouraged. Why? Because you don't know how to kill the flesh. We're wrestling with understanding how to crucify our flesh. Anybody else? If I just said, kill your flesh, and then said, all right, have a great Sunday, <laughs> you'd be like, man, I still don't know what to do. I know I'm supposed to kill my flesh. I don't know how to do it. Well, the Word of God shows us. Because so many of us have, have wanted to kill our flesh, and we thought our willpower would be enough to kill it. I mean, think about it. If it, it, was, if it was all, hey, just make sure you stop sinning. Like, oh, okay. Thanks, chief. I'm, I've got this now. I'm not going to sin. All right, no more lust. No more pride. No more anger. I'm good. I'm just, I'm, tomorrow I'm waking up. I'm just, I'm quitting sinning cold turkey. If you could do that, you would have no need for a relationship with Jesus. There would be no dependency on the Lord and Savior of your life. You would just say, well, he took care of that, and now I'm just good, and I don't really even need to talk to him. I don't even need to lean on him because I've got, I've got it now. The sad thing is, you laugh, but there's so many people who live that very way. All right, Jesus saved me, but I, thanks God, peace, I got this from here. The reality is it doesn't work that way. We can't live that way. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, in verse 13, he says this, For if you live according to the flesh, that disordered desires, if you live for that, you will die. But listen, 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Meaning this, you can't use the flesh to kill the flesh. You can't use your willpower to stop doing the things that override your willpower. It won't work that way. You need a power that is greater than your willpower. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. You need the, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to break things off in your life. Now, willpower is a good thing. And willpower works in small increments. Like, hey, I'm going to start going to the gym. You wake up early, you start doing it. Hey, you start building a practice of it, right? Willpower says, okay, I can have one cookie, but not 15 cookies. I, gotta, I can have one, but I, I'm choosing no more. And willpower works really good in that. You're, you're going to find success in that. But willpower against a pornography addiction ain't going to cut it. Willpower against drug and alcohol, alcohol use that is ravaging your life isn't going to cut it. Willpower that causes you to lash out in anger is, is not going to cut it. You need a higher power than your willpower, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And here's the beautiful thing. The power of the Holy Spirit is the same power Jesus walked in here on earth. So Jesus says, hey, if, if, if he partnered with the Holy Spirit to establish his kingdom, he says, hey, if I've done it, I want you to do it too. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power so that you can walk out what I'm teaching you, what I'm showing you. So the question is, how do we begin to do that? One of the ways is through the practice of Jesus. The practices that we've seen him, the spiritual disciplines, especially fasting. How do we begin to crucify our flesh? The first way that sees the greatest benefit in our life is fasting. It's one of the best disciplines we have to draw on the power of God to transform our whole self, our whole being. Fasting is a way that we feed our spirit and starve our flesh. So many of us are used to feeding our flesh and starving our spirit. And we're wondering why we're still malnourished in the things of God. God says, no, I want you to wake up. Begin to tell your flesh no so that you can tell your spirit yes. So that as you draw on to Christ, you begin to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So there, there are four things that happen to us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. In the Version Bible app, you have the notes there and the, the scripture that we've been walking through this morning. There are four things that happen in us as we begin to fast. The first one is this, if you're writing this down, right? It's weaning us off the pleasure principle. It's weaning us off the pleasure principle. So much of our culture is built around this. If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. And as children, that's what children do. That's why my daughter wants M&Ms always, always. She's literally up this morning at like four in the morning. She's like, I want a snack, Daddy. I said, let me show you what we got. I carry in there. I said, we got applesauce, we got yogurt, M&M's. <laughs> we don't eat M&M's in the morning. M&M's. There's the pleasure principle. M&M's are good. They're wonderful. But what she doesn't know is you eat a lifestyle of M&M's and you look like an M&M. <laughs> so... The pleasure principle says what feels good now is always going to be good. The problem is we know that's not true. Amen. So fasting begins to wean us off of this pleasure principle. 
that says, you know what? It might not feel good right now to say no, but I know if I say no right now, in the long term, I'll be able to say no to other things and my life will be better. It's called delayed gratification. We have to be weaned off of that. Our culture is a culture of now, right now. Have it now. You have it your way right now. We are a fast food culture. If it, if it takes thir- longer than 30 seconds to warm something up in the microwave, we're like, forget it. <laughs> we have this, pre- this pleasure principle has, has been driven and drilled into our brains so much. Fasting helps us to pull off and pull back from that. And say, you know what, maybe, maybe everything right now all at once is not good for me. We begin to wean ourselves off of that. That's the first thing. We understand that if I can say no in the short, short term, it'll pay years of dividends in the future. We begin to mature past this so that through fasting, we mature beyond a pleasure principle and we learn how that the, doing the right thing, even when it's hard in the moment, teaches us that we can be happy and content even when we're going through hard things. Number two, it reveals what's in our heart. Fasting reveals what's in your heart. Anybody who ever fasted and you're just angry? Yeah, because anger was in there. But you didn't, you just pushed it down anytime you had emotions that you didn't want anybody else to see. If anybody's like me, I'm a good stuffer. Man, somebody rubbed me the wrong way. My wife does something. Usually she, she's just wonderful, but sometimes she's not. But I'm just like, push it down, push it, swallow it. Fasting, all of a sudden, it's all coming out. It's just blah, 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 blah. And what's beautiful about that, maybe you're like, I don't want that to happen, but you do want it to happen. Because we don't want to live fake lives. We don't want to be counterfeit Christians. We don't want to be hypocrites because we've pushed down the things that have been in there we don't want anybody to know about. God says, no, I love you enough that I'm going to let those things come to the surface so that you can bring them to me and you can actually be set free from them instead of just hiding them for the rest of your life. Fasting reveals what's in our heart. And the more that we do it, the more that we practice it, the, the, the things that are in our heart begin to shift and look more like Jesus. So that when you first fast, all the ugliness comes up, but the longer that you do it, you build a pattern and a rhythm and a lifestyle of fasting, all of a sudden, out of the abundance and overflow of your heart, you begin to speak the love and the patience and the kindness of Jesus. So fasting helps you become like Jesus, but you got to get the ugly off first. The stuff, uh, the patterns of our life. This is what Richard Foster wrote in his book, Celebration of Discipline. If you're looking at reading one book this year, I would encourage you to read The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. He says this, fasting reveals the things that control us. Fasting teaches us so much about ourselves. And it reveals to us the hidden stuff that's deep down in there that God wants to reveal so that we have the ability, the chance to offer it to God so that we can be set free from it once and for all. Number three, fasting is reordering our desires. As you build a rhythm of fasting, you'll practice, you'll, you'll notice that you'll want to sin less and you'll want to be holy more. All of a sudden you're fasting, you're saying, man, that stuff I used to hunger after and run after, uh, uh, the sinful stuff, I, I don't have an appetite for that anymore. I have an appetite for the things of God. 
I have an appetite to be drawn close to Jesus. I, I want to look like Him. If you're able to push the plate back and say, nope, not doing it today, all of a sudden you begin to wonder, why have I been giving in to so many other things that are bad for me? If you can say no to food, which is good for you, you'll be able to say no to the things that are actually destroying your life. It begins to reorder your desires. When we fast, God begins to work deep within us to do by His power what our willpower cannot do. Number four. When we fast, it's drawing on the power of God to overcome sin. Fasting is a discipline. And like any good habit, it's a way to increase the willpower muscle. It's a way to grow in both self-control and self-discipline. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Self-control is the ability to say no to something, right? Saying no to that second, third, or fourth cookie. That's self-control. Self-discipline is the ability to say yes to something. Like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym. I'm going I'm to structure what I'm eating and make sure I'm eating well. That's being disciplined. That's self-discipline. And when we discipline ourselves, it creates the ability to master our own heart. Disciplines like fasting are a way to bring your whole person back under the mastery and the control of your will. But even with saying that, you remember, willpower alone is not strong enough to break the chains of the flesh in your life. So fasting ultimately is about drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit as you connect with God. That's why when we fast, when we're fasting a meal, we're not just working through lunch. We're not just doing other things to take our mind off of the hunger that we're feeling. No, we're pressing into the things of God. We're saying instead of shopping for food and going home and cooking it and eating it and then cleaning up afterward, all of that that I would normally invest for my meal tonight, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. God, I'm thirsty for you. Every time you feel a hunger pain, that is a blessing from God waking you up and saying, cry out to me right now when your stomach is crying out to you. Begin to cry out for the one who can actually fill you and satisfy you. Cry out to Jesus. You lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're teaching your heart, your body, your mind, your soul to say, I depend on Jesus. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yes. Fasting will help you hear the voice of God in your life. It'll, he's always been speaking. The problem is we don't listen very well. Fasting all of a sudden says, hey, I better listen up. I'm doing this for a reason. I want to hear the voice of my Father. Helps us to lean in and press in and be dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. As we come to God to give Him our weakness, He comes to us and gives us His strength. So if you wanted to summarize everything I just said right now, you could just say that fasting is a way to turn your body from an enemy into an ally against the fight of your flesh. And that's why fasting is so hard, isn't it? Because you're picking a fight with your flesh. You're picking a fight with your disordered desires. And the more that you do it, the more your flesh is weakened through self-denial and your spirit is strengthened by connection with God and the more free you become as a follower of Jesus. Amen. Essentially, the discipline of fasting is a pathway to freedom. My heart aches for brothers and sisters in Christ who continue to feel like failures because you're living in a lifestyle and a cycle of sin in your life. 
You have, you have the Holy Spirit within you, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. So we can live differently. John Mark Comer said this, the practices are how we do what we can to open our mind and our body to God so that the Spirit of God can do what we cannot to break the chains of sin off of our lives. When we can't overcome sin, when we can't overcome pornography, gossip, unforgiveness, even yelling at our kids because it's outside the range of our willpower, here's what we can do. We can fast and offer our bodies to God and let the Holy Spirit break the hold of sin over my body and your body and begin to set us free. John Mark said in the video on Wednesday, and I completely agree with it, he says one of the reasons the church in the West is so weak in the power of the Spirit and deluded by worldliness is because we have left off this core practice of fasting. Why aren't we seeing the powerful moves of God like churches are in Asia and in Africa? Maybe because we have neglected to be able to say no to our bodies so that we can say yes to God. We have been weakened we have, we have been so dependent on ourselves that we have stopped being dependent on the, on the Spirit of God. We have been so deluded by worldliness and the things of the flesh because we've not told our flesh no. But that changes today. God is beginning to wake up the church to say, no, we need to be a people who look like Jesus, who live like Jesus, so that we can do the things Christ calls us to do. We begin to take back our authority over our own bodies and our own flesh. Amen? We want to grow in holiness. We want to be set apart and set free. That's vital for us as believers. We want to grow in holiness. But even as we desire to grow in holiness, we still keep at the forefront of our minds. The reason why we fast is ultimately because we want to give ourselves to Jesus. Jesus is our reward. He is our prize. He's the great treasure that we run after. He's the one that we long for. We want to draw close to Him. We want to see Him. There's a saying that says, we become what we behold. That's a principle in life. Whatever you focus your life on is what you'll become like. And that's a beautiful blessing, but it can be also a tremendous curse when we focus on the wrong things. So the, the Word calls us, and, the, and the, the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit draws us in to say, Behold Jesus. Set your eyes and fix your eyes on Him. And as we look to Him, we become more like Him. Amen. We want to behold Him. And here's the truth, that as we grow in holiness, we have a greater ability to see God. As we deny ourselves, we become more aware of His presence and we are able to behold Him. And the longer we behold Him, the more we become like Him. Amen? Amen. Worship team, as you come up, and I'm drawing our time to a close. Here's the reality. You don't have to fast. Jesus never commanded you to do it. None of the writings in the New Testament say, hey, this is what you have to do. But pretty much all of the early church fathers have long said, not only is fasting powerful, it's essential in the effects of living a life of holiness. In the same way that there is no substitute for healthy eating and regular exercise for a flourishing body, there is no substitute for fasting and a lifestyle of self-denial for a flourishing soul. I want your soul to flourish. I want my soul to flourish. Fasting 
is the way that we begin to do that. So if you want to grow in holiness, if you want to behold God, practice fasting. Church, we can do it because the Holy Spirit lives within us and we have a hunger to see God. I want to, I want to behold Jesus. So I'm going to say no to some things so that I can continue to say yes to him. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel where you'll hear past episodes. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate it and share it with friends. It'll help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.com and click on the giving link. We love you. God bless.